Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Pacific Point of View. I'm Hayden Weber, and this is the Friday Flow. If you're new around here, the Friday Flow is a new little project we're doing where one of us three Pacific Point of View hosts will be hosting a shortened show every Friday where we'll just kind of talk about some random things that might not make it on our hour-long Wednesday show. So with that, we're going to go over what we're talking about today on my first go as the host of the Friday Flow. So first, we're just going to talk some general Pac-12 news updates. I'm also going to give my thoughts on Colt and Tyler's college football playoff selection committees. They talked about it on the show on Wednesday. Who would be on their ideal selection committee? I wasn't there, so I'm going to give my thoughts. And then lastly, which first-year head coach in the Pac-12 will last the longest. We'll have it all right here on the Friday Flow. All right, general news in the Pac-12. First and foremost, a big recruiting update out of Southern California. USC has won the Deuce Robinson sweepstakes. Deuce Robinson was a five-star, or I should say is, a five-star tight end out of Arizona. He was pretty much one of the most heavily coveted players we've seen around these parts and it was pretty much between USC and Georgia at the end and Robinson opts to stay closer to home and will be playing in Los Angeles under Lincoln Riley. Maybe Deuce Robinson is a dual sport athlete. He is also a very highly regarded baseball prospect. So there is a chance that the kid drawing Aaron Judge comps might actually get drafted and never play a down at USC. We'll see. That could be one of the reasons his recruitment took so long. But hey, if whether he ends up at USC or not, I'm pretty sure Lincoln Riley's offense led by Caleb Williams will be just fine next year. Also, this one out of Boulder, Colorado has sold out its spring game After filling just over a 1,000 seats last year, Folsom Field will be filled to the brim. So the Deion Sanders effect is here. Big news there. Also, this one stings. ASU has lost offensive lineman Ben Coleman to an injury. He was one of the darlings of this transfer portal class coming out of Cal. He was likely going to anchor one of the offensive line spots, but ASU 
Going to have to test that depth, that O-line a little bit. The Sun Devils brought in a ton of transfers up front. They might dip back into the portal and get someone else, but very, very tough news for Kenny Dillingham and co. And lastly, here's a fun one. Former Oregon State kicker and catcher Adley Rushman went five for five on opening day. He is truly looking like he is going to be one of the greats. And he played his college ball right here in the Pac-12. And he was, like Deuce Robinson, a dual sport athlete. Always forget that he was the kicker. I can't, I'll have to ask Tyler if that was before or after the choke hair days. But with that, let's get into the first segment. All right, so I'm going to give my thoughts on Colt and Tyler's ideal college football playoff selection committees. So just here's my criteria on what I think makes a good committee. I think you have to have a nice mix of former players and coaches, keyword former, so no one has, you know, an active uh, involvement in the sport. So I wouldn't throw Kirby Smart on the list. Uh, I think you got to have some media personalities, people who have been around the game in general. I think announcers are great because they're kind of conditioned to be unbiased as well as your major network reporters and columnists, things of that nature. So let's take a look here at Colt's list as I pull it up. And one more thing, I also think athletic directors, who pretty much are the backbone of this thing as it is, are always a safe bet as well. So, all right, Colt, let's take a look at who he has representing each of the Power Five conferences as well as the group of five as a whole. Uh, he's got Lisa Campos representing the group of five, the athletic director at UTSA. Joe Castiglione representing the SEC. So Colt's kind of looking ahead. The existing AD at OU. He's got Danny White representing the Big 12. Although I think Danny White might be at Tennessee now. So not sure about that one. Gene Smith, the AD at Ohio State rep representing the Big 10. Very strong start uh, for Colt there. There are a couple that I'm hesitant about, but still intrigued. He's got Phil Knight representing the Pac-12. This could work, although I'm not sure if this could realistically materialize just because I don't think Knight has his hand in college football enough. Although, hey, he's basically funded the entire Oregon football program, so there's that. He's also got Mac Brown as the rep for the ACC. Like I said before, I have a hard time putting current coaches and players in there. So for that reason, I think Mac Brown would be off my list for now, but eventually he'd be a perfect candidate. And some wild card names that Colt threw in there. He has Gus Johnson, the announcer, Nick Saban, Paul Feinbaum, Pat McAfee, Deion Sanders, Johnny Manziel, and Caleb Williams. Solid names, although there are some issues with some of them. I think a Gus Johnson, a Paul Feinbaum, a Pat McAfee, good picks. I do think Feinbaum sticks out a little bit, being that he is pretty biased toward the SEC. So that might have to lessen a little bit to make that more palatable for some people. And then Johnny Manziel, obviously one of the all-time greats in college football, but somewhat of a controversial figure so not sure if that would actually materialize. So solid list there for Colt. Let's take a look at Tyler's. He's got 
representing the conference, the conferences, Rick Hart representing the group of five as the AD at SMU. And Tyler pretty much just went all ADs here to start. John Cohen, Rob Mullins, Chris Del Conte, Barry Alvarez, Heather Like, great list, great names, wild cards, pretty much all media personalities. Heather Dinich, Kirk Herbstreet, David Pollock, Josh Pate, Bill Connolly, Reese Davis, Brett McMurphy. Tyler, that is a very solid uh, college football playoff committee, selection committee. And mine would, would probably resemble that um, quite a bit. A couple other media personalities you could throw in there. You could throw Matt Barry. He is the uh, one of the hosts of the college football show every week. Um, he's also an announcer and a Sun Devil, so that's something to consider. He's a big name that I would throw into that pool. And if you want to talk about former coaches that have should have a say, I'm going to break my own rules a little bit. Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham's been doing this forever. The minute he retires, he's on my committee. So that does that. You know, it's it's really important to have a strong selection committee for the greater health of the sport because we've talked about it on this show and we've seen at times where people get wrapped up in their own biases and, and they end up being kind of self-serving. And that's just really not good um, for the for the better of the sport. So Especially as we move from 4 to 12 teams, it's important that there's a little bit more of a rigid standard when it comes to selecting teams, ranking them. That way we're not looking at two teams who have the same record and one might have the head-to-head matchup, but they're still behind the other team, kind of like Michigan State and Michigan from a few years ago. So as long as we get a, a better standard, so it's it's more uniform and there's not so much room for debate, which when, when you take out the analytics in the BCS, you're going to have more debate, of course, when you put people on a committee. Uh, I think there just should be less should be less arbitrary and uh, a little bit more consistent. So that's my thoughts. Both lists very good and mine would resemble both of those in one way or another. All right, and we'll finish up this quick show with kind of an interesting topic. So the Pac-12 did have some coaching turnover this offseason. Herm Edwards was ousted at Arizona State, Carl Doral out at Colorado, and then David Shaw ultimately basically mutually agreed to part ways with Stanford. So Arizona State hires the offensive wonderkind and uh, Kenny Dillingham, 32 years old, youngest coach in college football. He's best known for reviving Bo Nix's career at Oregon. He was the OC there, one of the ran one of the most prolific offenses in the country. Troy Taylor comes to Stanford after having a very strong tenure at FCS Sacramento State. He took them to the playoffs in multiple elite seasons. And he is a member of the Kyle Whittingham coaching tree. And I believe he is a resident of the Bay Area, or at least he is now. And then last but not least, Deion Sanders takes over at Colorado. One of the most polarizing moves we've seen in college football. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But what you can't deny is that he has completely turned the perception 
of the Colorado football program around. And while that team just came off of one win last year, they pulled in a phenomenal transfer portal class and signed some of the best and biggest names out of high school you will ever see. So Deion Sanders has generated quite the buzz there in Boulder. So that begs the question, of those three, which one will be around for the longest time? So this is tough because you have to look at the trajectory of the programs, how much wiggle room there's going to be, right? When you look at Arizona State, I think there's going to be a lot of wiggle room because Dillingham's taking over. Basically, it was a complete disaster. And at least in one offseason, similar to Deion Sanders, Dillingham has largely reignited the fan base and is getting people excited about Arizona State football again, again, like Deion Sanders is at Colorado. And both of those programs were terrible last year. Then you look at Stanford, which for the longest time was the standard in the Pac-12, and you could just see it coming from a mile away. That team lost its identity under David Shaw. They weren't physical anymore. They were still recruiting well, but they just weren't winning football games. And the fans, not one of the strongest fan bases in the Pac-12, but some of the attendance numbers were at an all-time low there and just complete apathy up there on the farm. So a, a tough end to an otherwise phenomenal era of David Shaw football there at Stanford, and taking over for him is Troy Taylor. So I think when it boils down to it, you're looking at, do you think any of these guys will get fired in, say, the next four years, which at least for most programs seems to be the initial leash? Once you get an entire cycle through, that is kind of enough sample size to adequately judge where you have the program going. Of course, this is all speculation. Way too early to say. I think all three of these coaches have done an admirable job of recruiting and damage control and trying to get some excitement generated. All three of them. To the point where I think you could easily say, Arizona State, Colorado, and Stanford will all be better next year than they were this last year. I know people are a little low on Stanford just because Stanford is not able to do in the transfer portal what Arizona State and Colorado did due to some of the academic restrictions going on there and how, how difficult Stanford truly is to get into. So it's going to be more of a grassroots rebuild at Stanford. And therefore, Troy Taylor is going to get a longer leash than Deion Sanders and Kenny Dillingham, in my opinion, um, especially because Stanford, there's just, for some reason, it feels like the, the demand to win now is not there like it is at an Arizona State. And even at Colorado, I think if Deion Sanders completely flops, in the first two or three years, people would say, oh, well, Colorado, you know, they were bad as, as, it, as it was. Maybe he'll get a longer leash. I don't know. I don't know. And with Deion Sanders, I think, first of all, people are a little too high on Colorado this year. I think people should temper their expectations only for this year. I do think Colorado is going to do some crazy things 
after that. Once you get year two of Shador and the Travis Hunter, Cormani McLean duo, plus some of the, the recruiting they're doing for future classes now, there's no doubt in my mind Colorado can be a ranked team when in eight, nine, ten games competing for the Pac-12 once he kind of establishes the culture there and gets the players he wants. And then you look at Kenny Dillingham, who has really, I think, recognized some of the, I'm going to say, pent-up anger of the Arizona State fan base and some of that disdain for the previous regime. And he said, hey, we recognize that you guys, the passion is there. And I think Dillingham has done a really nice job of just getting the fan base feel like they're, they're involved again and feeling like they should be excited about Arizona State football. And one of the ways he's done that is he has gone and recruited the heck out of the state of Arizona. He is pulling in transfers, Jacob Conover, DeCarlos Brooks, two former Chandler guys who were coached by Sean Aguano, Bram Walden. Tate Romney, to name others. I mean, he has done what very few coaches have been able to do at Arizona State, and that is get some of just the in-state talent in general to stay home, let alone the big fish. ASU has just not even been able to get the middle kind of three-star guys to stay home in recent years. So he's at least done that where he's been able to kind of, it feels like, get that that base level and reestablish the pipeline of kids from the Copper State coming to Tempe. So long story short, who do I think will last the longest? I'm going to tell you this. It will not be Deion Sanders. And I don't think it's because he's going to get fired. I think it's because after four really strong years at Colorado, where they kind of improve each and every season, and once his son... Shador is graduated and once Travis Hunter is off to the NFL and and some of those other kids that came over from Jackson State he might be more inclined to move to a Florida State at that time or go to a program that might not have been ready to hire him this time through the cycle and that's that's if he does well at Colorado which I really believe he will do well in Boulder. I think he's going to get that program back to go into bowl games and possibly even more in a few years. So I think I'm going to give Dion about four years before he ultimately moves on and gets a quote promotion to like a Florida state or something like that. So it boils down to Kenny Dillingham and Troy Taylor. I think Arizona state is much closer to winning now than Stanford. And that might not necessarily be a good thing. You look at a Todd Graham at Arizona State who won right from the get-go and then tapered off. And that kind of created a sense of, hey, we flew too close to the sun. We got expectations up. Yeah, this team's 6-6, six and six, but we're not 10-2 and two like we were that first season. And ultimately led to him getting fired after going 7-5. and five. And then you look at Stanford, who might be more the Oregon State route when they bring in Jonathan, when they brought in Jonathan Smith. Oregon State was patient. And they let Jonathan Smith rebuild the Oregon State football program. And they are benefiting now from what he's been able to do. And their patience paid off because the first couple years there were really bad. 
I mean, you had Jamar Jefferson and some of those other guys, but the Gary Anderson mess was real. That was not Jonathan Smith's fault. So I can't, I, it's, I think it's year five or six or maybe even seven under Jonathan Smith. It feels like he's been there forever now. But Oregon State should be a top 25 team next year and should be in kind of the top four or five teams in the conference right there in the thick of things. So I'm actually going to say Kenny Dillingham, though, will last the longest just because he is an Arizona State alum. I think he's going to get a little bit of grace here at the beginning, even though ASU is in a better position than Stanford. I think Dillingham is a guy who might have an opportunity after five, six years to elevate and, and leave for a bigger job. But I kind of see him being a loyal guy and someone who wants to stick around. And same really with Troy Taylor. But who knows? He's not a Stanford alum. And given the current landscape of college football, he might recognize, look, we're not going to be able to, I mean, we, we can win at Stanford. We might not be able to sustain it, though. So I could see a Troy Taylor having success at Stanford and ultimately upgrading and trying to avoid what happened to David Shaw. So for that reason, my final answer is Kenny Dillingham. He will be the longest tenured head coach out of all the ones that were hired in the Pac-12 in this most recent coaching cycle. So that's going to do it for this second edition of the Friday Flow. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is a fun little project we're doing, and I look forward to seeing maybe Colt next week. We'll see. We don't have this super rigid schedule right now, but... Our next episode will be next Wednesday where you can catch me alongside Colt and Tyler and we will talk all things Pac-12 and college football as a whole. So that's going to do it for me. Thanks for tuning in. And this has been the Pacific Point of View.